Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cast Dice, the podcast that explores the great big wild world of tabletop gaming that we are in today. It has been said about a million times on this podcast and in other places that we are in the middle of a gaming renaissance. There are just too many good games that we can be playing these days that take up all of our hobby time and all of our hobby dollars. And for some of us, that leads to a massive case of fear of missing out. Um, I know I'm constantly looking across, uh, you know, the fence, so to speak, into the neighbor's yard. And man, there are so many good games to be played. If you walk through a big or even a small uh, friendly local game store these days, you will see a, a, a plethora of games that you could get stuck into. And I guess that is the purpose of this podcast. It's to explore some of those games, the games that my guests and I uh, play, uh, industry events, and, you know, just gaming and pop culture in general. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we had one of my favoritest guests of all time, uh, a close personal friend and, you know, just all around rad guy, Pachimus Prime on to talk about how he was preparing for this year's WinterCon event. And a lot of people clicked download on that episode. We had some feedback from fans. A lot of people wanted to know how the big guy went. And so, without fail, I have Chuck Norris's beard himself attached to the biggest and best of Autobots, Patchimus, welcome back to Cast Dice. Hello, Brad. <laughs> Love that that never gets old. Patch, never. how you been, man? Yeah, really good, really good. I feel kind of bad because I uh, I spoke in depth in that last one we did about my British Expeditionary Force and how amazing it was going to be. And then, <laughs> as I as I would want to do, I um changed your mind. A couple of weeks ago, I changed my mind and ran Australians. Yeah, that's, man, but it was yep. a cool army, and oh, God, yeah. it, it's yeah. great. Yeah. So was, um, tell us what you did take and why okay. you shifted. Right. Well, my BEF was lined up. It was. It's a great army. Mm -hmm. I really want to play it. Mm -hmm. But I just realized as I was getting closer to the event that I've never played my Australians at an event. Yeah. And I'm like, so I was torn. Yeah. I haven't played my BEF at a big event. I haven't played my Australians at a big event. But I kind of helped out on the Australian book, yeah. right? Yeah. And, you know, a miniature of mine is in the book. And I'm like, it's been a bit of flack thrown around about whether the Australians can or can't compete mm -hmm. at events. And that kind of all tipped the balance. And I've gone, right, that's it. And I put together a, a couple of Australian lists. And, uh, of course, with no preparation whatsoever, I went to the event. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, I, I used literally every Australian miniature I had. <laughs> that is so cool. Now, don't tell, don't tell anyone, but there may have been a, a British SAS uh, brand gunner hidden in there. Hey man, no one I'm, picked up on it, thank I'm, goodness. I'm not telling anyone. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm sure someone out there was counting buttons and they missed that one. But now you, I don't want to say, I mean, you made a little comment about helping a little bit with the Australian list. You mm -hmm. and Brian came up with, Brian Cook, of course, of uh, boltaction.net fame. Um, you guys uh, sort of co-wrote um, maybe, and I think Anthony was also involved with coming up with yeah. the Australian rules for the original PDF that were submitted and uh, put out by Warlord Games um, and then was adapted and became part of the P&G book. 
Yeah, that Mark Barber wrote. Look, um, yeah. credit where credit where credit's due, and and then I would say that you know ninety five percent of that Australian list was, you know, either like Brian and and Anthony, and and I just kind of just picked at the edges, if you mm-hmm. like, you know, helped out with some ideas, and then you know I come up with one of the national rules that Brian adopted. There was some you know some interaction there, but 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 ninety five to ninety eight percent of it was was those other guys. Still, you had your finger in that pie, and so a little, enough to get my name in the book. Exactly. Well, <laughs> I mean, how often? I mean, that that's got to feel special. How often is it that you get to contribute to an official army list, to have your name in the book, and then to be able to take that army um, to I, the national stage? It it was a real surreal moment there, as I've I've plopped down some of the miniatures, you know, and my LVT features in the in the book, and mm-hmm. I've got. You know, not only is it did I help out in in the army in a small way, but I I painted a miniature that was in the book represented, and then here I am plopping that miniature down on the table playing Australians at an Australian event. That's that's so kind of special. Awesome. I, I did get a bit of a kick out of that. <laughs> Man, that's awesome. I mean, that's yeah. literally taking you know a, something from the pages of the book and putting it down. It, I mean, that that's awesome. That that's, it was. Yeah. All right. It makes me wonder, am I in too deep? <laughs> I think if you're in too deep, we're all in. Yeah, yeah. So, I think yeah, we're that, all that, little... that, Hopefully that uh, that explains that uh, you know why it was that last minute change of yeah. change of plans and um, you know from the BEF to the Australian Force. All right, so I got a couple questions about this, but let's unpack by you telling us what was in your list first and foremost. So you were taking the Australia in the Pacific, in the Pacific list, not in the yeah. Western Desert. So talk yeah. us through your list. Okay, well, well, let's start off with probably my favorite thing, which is theme. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I sort of wanted to design a list, and I've been tinkering with it a while for a while, which was like a, excuse me, a, a 1944 style list. Mm-hmm. which is more like it's it's like a recon in force and in my mind i pictured these um you know commandos operating deep in in papua new guinea uh, along the coastline um supported by you know papua infantry battalion troops mm-hmm. and they're being resupplied and assisted by a um, an lvt which has you know there's some support um support areas so a jungle infantry division and um and a few other support options there to come in. And they're basically, they might have located a Japanese strong point and they're going to marry up with this support elements, resupply, and then do an attack. Awesome. That's kind of the theme. So so based on that theme, I had a look about what could possibly, you know, be in support of these guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and primarily there was going to be light infantry, right? You know, these guys have been humping through the jungle for a long time. They're not going to be carrying heavy equipment. Right, right. Definitely no vehicles, mm-hmm. um, and, and so I had to try and build a list around that. So the heaviest piece of item that I put in the list was a medium mortar, which I figured within reason the LVT could bring in and the guys can lug it around. Mm-hmm. Not too far, but you know they they could do it. That was the heaviest piece in the entire army. That's yeah. So awesome. I had to build my build my list around that, and there was eight hundred point a thirteen hundred point list. Mm-hmm. So I'll go through the thirteen hundred point list, um, and. You know, and then adapt the 800 points. So, with that in mind, you're sort of like, you know, <laughs> how do I do this? So, I, I started off and I, and I just made everything veteran. Two reasons for it. One is that with an all infantry force, I feel like you need to yeah. um, have some survivability on the table. And the second thing is to make 1300 points, I needed to make them all veteran because I didn't have excess soldiers hanging around. Mm-hmm. If I'd made them all regular, I just wouldn't have had enough 
troops for yeah. the points. Um, and so I made everything veteran and a single platoon as well, which kind of bucked the trend. I'm going to do a single platoon at 1,300 points with primarily infantry models. Mm. Um, so all veterans. So a first lieutenant was going to uh, run the show. Nice. No buddies, just a single first lieutenant. Then I had um, three squads of Papuan Infantry Battalion. All I said, everything's veteran in this list. Uh, and they were three squads of seven. Now, if you, rem, uh, rem, if you recall, the Papuan Infantry Battalion have two primarily primary special rules. Mm-hmm. One is that they're forward deployers. That's right. Uh, and the other one is that they've got field craft, which allows them to run 12 inches across rough terrain like it's open terrain in the first turn. That's right. Um, that's quite an important thing to rec- to remember. Mm-hmm. So, so how many? Uh, so you had one squad or two squads? Three squads of seven. Wow. Okay. Cool. Nice. Yep. Yep. So there's that you, they cannot take anything uh, larger than a rifle. So Correct. no LMGs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the and the NCO can have an SMG. So that's it. One SMG and six rifles per squad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had uh, an eight man squad of independent uh, company commandos. Mm-hmm. It's um it's a big squad, like 144 points worth. Ooh. But six SMGs, an LMG, and uh, a rifle. Mm-hmm. Then I had a jungle infantry, a jungle division infantry section mm-hmm. at full strength. So a 10 man squad of that at 162 points. Oh, <laughs> yeah. nice. Yeah, big squads, uh, lots of points. Then I had a scout team, mm-hmm. little three man scout team, medium mortar, sniper, Piat, flamethrower. Um, I then brought in a forward observer, air. Right, mm-hmm. and I think chat about that in in greater detail in a little bit later. Yep. And uh, to top off the list, I have a veteran LVT Buffalo. Love it with with the upgraded HMGs mm-hmm. at 178 points. <laughs> so <laughs> insane, good. right? Um, and so that was my list, and I felt it was very themey. It was yeah. sort of oh, yeah. has. It had some natural restrictions that I placed in there. You know, no, no stewards, no, like no vehicles, effectively, no jeeps to run my flamethrower up and take people out. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing like that. So I, I felt, yes, it's a veteran list, but it's still hard mode because mm-hmm. there's none of the the tricks that you would normally see. And I knew going into this event that 1,300 points, people are going to bring some serious hardware. Oh yeah, and uh, I really had very little to counter them. So I needed, um, effectively a very strong deep army mm-hmm. that could survive the hits from, from tanks and things like that. So that was my 1300 point list. The 800 point list was really just downgraded from that. I took away the air observer. I took away the, um, the LVT mm-hmm. and, uh, I took one squad of the, the Papuan infantry battalion and just lost a couple of troops from the, um, the jungle division and, commandos man to make that's cool. points. yeah so that was the the very thematic in my mind strange jungle division nice yeah. now thinking about how that all goes together as you say yeah. you don't have a lot of the quote-unquote meta choices i mean you do have a quote you do have the sniper you do have veteran infantry you do have a medium mortar but you yes. as you say you don't have the tanks you don't have the anti-tank in particular assets other than i mean if you're really going to get into it possibly Oh wait, did you say you had a Piat? I did have a Piat. You did have a yeah. Piat, but of course that's short range, and everyone loves to point that out. Um, but you do have the Air Observer. Now, yeah. as we talked about in the CanCon post-event analysis, there was mm. one 
uh, Air Observer. One person took an Air Observer. Um, or was it one? I mean, yeah, it was one. Artillery? one. It was one. Come. So I guess yeah. I have to ask. In a land of a million uh, pintle-mounted machine guns, how mm. did that go? Right. So it came in once. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So you got to remember, I, I ended up, I only ended up playing four games because I took a buy for one of the games. Mm. Two of those games were thirteen hundred points, and two was eight hundred points. So I only had the option to bring the Air Observer in twice. Got it. Um, the first game, it it did what's on the box. It came in and actually killed an eighty-eight. Oh yeah. Um, so that it did what it yep. what it was meant to do. Um, the second game, a Japanese knee mortar took it out at start of turn two. Wait, and oh, the Observer. I was like, how does a knee mortar take out a plane? I'm, yeah, I'm with you took now. Out, I'm with they you rolled now. a six on a, um, on a check, on a mm-hmm. thing, and, and killed my Observer at the start of turn two. Nothing came in then. Oh, that's bonkers. Didn't even get it shot off. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So that was quite disappointing. So all up, um, but, but in saying that, there wasn't a great deal of, like, I'm torn on it. One is that it's got a great fear factor, even mm. though it's kind of terrible now. People still get really concerned by it. Oh, yeah, uh, they do. It's what it can do if it all works. It only needs three hits, and you kind of, if you've got enough pencil mounts, look, you're going to get three hits on it. Needing fours and fives, you're going to do it, and it's mm-hmm. like it's a bit of a waste. So I, I think it needs a rewrite. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the Air Observer, it's gone too far one way. And it's not become a useful addition to any army, really. I, I probably wouldn't take it again. It's only that it was very thematic and that I had a hurricane, I think it was. or mm-hmm. a, No, I had a tomahawk. Um, yeah, and uh, it was thematic for the thing. Like I didn't have any other support, and uh, and they would have had support from the, uh, the Australian Air, the Australian Air Force at that time. Nice. Yeah. Well. Oh, that's cool, man. It was good fun. So I can take you through kind of how the games went. Yes, quick. please. So hold on. You played four out of the five games. Which was your buy? Was it? Uh, game three. Game on, three. On day one. Yeah. Nice. So you're able to get in two of the smaller games. You missed sort of the middle size, and then you went for the two large. Is that right? Yeah, it, it alternated. So the first game was 800, then 1300, uh, then 800, then 1300, then 800. Got it. Yeah. I so just you only assumed, had yeah, go ahead. two cracks at yeah. You only had two cracks at um, the thirteen hundred list. I just assumed it was the other way around, um, given that it was mm. only two games on the second day. But no, okay. Yeah, I was. That's me making an assumption. All right, yeah, cool. That might change. Um, it might change next time because we sort of we started to run out of time on the last game. Mm. All right. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the event itself then. So, sure. Who? I mean. <laughs> If if looking at the meta numbers from CanCon were anything to go by, late war Germans are definitely a thing that mm. um, I'm assuming that you ran into. And uh, having spoken to you a little bit prior to recording, <laughs> um, I know you love playing late war Germans, he says sarcastically and winking mm. heavily at the microphone. Um, how much fun did you have playing late war Germans, Patch? You know what? I had a lot of fun. Nice. And it, funnily enough, we can speak about it, but... My Australians were a perfect match for them, um, which has not always been the case. Usually I've suffered terribly at the hands of late war Germans. Mm. However, mm-hmm. however, 
the Australian mm. list is an excellent counter to them. Um, and, and so, yeah, two out of the four games were against late war Germans. Mm-hmm. Um, one against Japanese and one against Australians. All right, which now is fascinating. That's a such a cool game. We've got to talk about that. Yeah, now, okay. Dude. Let's let's but, get into yeah. this because I I can hear the internet saying they wanted to get into this. So talk yeah. to us talk to us about your first game because you were playing. Okay. I believe the first round you played um, someone Chris. who's played quite a lot of bolt action and Sorry. has won quite a few events. Um, was it Chris McConus? Yep. yep. Now Chris is is an absolute veteran who yep. has been running a similar style army. You know, so it's like a late war SS. Mm-hmm. Um, army pretty much for the last four or five years. He's very, very cluey, very good player. Yeah. And um, him and I have, have played, you know, quite a few games and I've never even like gone close to winning. Um, and, uh, and so Chris and I drew the first game and I'm like, oh. <laughs> here we go. Yep. Um, and uh, we played Demolition. Now, I've got to talk you through this game. Okay. Right. So, so, Given that my army, as as you you might work out, um, with forward deployers and and these sort of you know veteran troops, I, I needed to be aggressive with it. Mm-hmm. And um, where I think people might fall down with the Australians is they try and play them like a European army. Um, you know, they might have a gun line and this sort of stuff and mm-hmm. and hold back a little bit. But my opinion is actually, you got to get up in people's faces with this real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we roll demolition. And uh, I see Chris's eyes sort of go wide as I start placing. Got to remember that demolition is all about getting to the opponent's base. That's right. And I place, you know, two eight-man veteran squads at 24 inches. And he's sort of gone, ugh. (laughs) Like already, Mm -hmm. you know, two run moves and effectively I'm on the the, um, objective. Yeah. Uh, So he brought – now, from memory, he had I think it was three – hardcore like infantry squads right mm-hmm. we're talking two lmgs you know ss uh and then he had a stu 42 which oh, he brought yeah. he had a, a light howitzer um an atr and a few other bits and pieces mm-hmm. there um, but both elite armies both about the same amount of dice mm-hmm. uh but what was interesting is as the games progressed we had a couple of lucky hits early on uh, Chris's dice started to fail him a little bit, um, and mine did well for a turn. And all of a sudden, he's found himself at his back line in demolition. You know, so he's gone on a real defensive mode. Mm-hmm. Now he had a truck that he had put in reserve, which had like an engineer unit in it. You know, flamethrowers and oh, Panzer yeah. and all this type of stuff, which was going to be his go-to, the base one, right? And um, I was putting, I'd move my squads up. And I was putting heaps of pressure on his his base already by turn three. Love it. And he failed his role to come on with a truck. Oh, no. And Bolt so action he, happened. Yep. He made a decision at that point. He was no longer going to go for my base. Oh, so okay. I thought, you know, he's one of the best players I've come up against. And he's on the defensive by turn three, four. And he's mm-hmm. consolidated and felt like, you know what? I'm going to play for a draw. Because yeah. he could, he could no longer win, and I felt really good about that. Yeah, um, man. And it was a great like toing and froing game. I managed to get one of my squads like literally within millimeters of the base, oh. and um, I'm like, 
they're there, they're there. And then he's he's like drawn a couple of dice. He's pulled the Stu 42 up to point blank. He's, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. and this poor squad has just gone, see ya. And they got, they got blown off the table. And of course, I couldn't win from there. But... It was right down to the last. But and, he wasn't uh, winning at that point either, though. No, it, you know, so I, I pretty much could dictate from as soon as he he didn't bring his truck on at my end for mm-hmm. the last couple of games, I knew I could just pretty much do what I wanted to do uh, and, and I couldn't lose yeah. and he couldn't win. Um, and so for that point, there was a secondary objective with these games. Mm-hmm. So um, the scoring system worked in the sense that um, you, you got 15 points for a win, 10, f- I think it was 15 points for a win, um, 10 for a draw and five for a loss, something like that, right? Mm-hmm. But then there was a uh, a second objective on the table, generally on the middle, you know, the middle line, which was worth five points if you're holding it at the end of the game. Oh, okay. And then you had like, you know, if you killed their officer, you'd get one point. Uh, if you kept your officer alive, you'd get a point. If you killed their highest unit, and if you kept your highest unit alive, you'd get points. Mm-hmm. So I think the maximum you could get was like 25 points, something like that. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I was able to walk away from that game with like about 18 points nice. for a draw. And uh, so, you know, technically you could say like it was a draw, but I, I grabbed a few more points than Chris, uh, which helped out in the long game. Mm-hmm. But but the best thing about it was him and I had just the most cracking good fun game where every dice pool was like super important. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it put me on a high roll for the weekend because all of a sudden we had this really good game and I was like, yep, that's great. If I could develop an army which can counter Chris's uh, Germans, then I knew I was doing something right. Yeah, and Chris is the kind of opponent, and I've watched him play, that – he, you know, he definitely thinks about things in advance. Oh, and if you just... make a mistake, my God, does he punish you? He'll capitalize. So, yeah. you know, for me, that draw was as good as a win. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, so he come off a high on that one and um, played Richard for turn two, uh, for on. game two. Hold on, before, yep. like, I got a couple questions here. So, mm-hmm. I mean, just really quick, though. I mean, I know that when you have an event, when you're playing, especially an event, um, that where you know a lot of the players, um, especially mm. some of the big names. Now, it's not to say that people won't come out of the woodwork because that happens all the time. But, you know, when you have established players and you have someone like a shark in a tank like Chris, mm. who you know is going to be, you know, one of the guys to beat and you know he's lurking out there, um, how good was it for you to have A, to get that game over with, quote unquote, over with early, but then mm. B, to have come out of it on such a high, man, you must have been, you must yeah. have been psychologically in fantastic shape for that event. I went from having, gee, you know, I'm not sure how this, having not practiced this army, and I come out of that game feeling relatively confident that I could do okay. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So um, I went my my sort of aims went from you know just getting like a few couple of good games into maybe I could you know top ten it. And, and bear in mind, there was about 20 players uh, at this event. Yeah. So just a, a relatively quiet one. You don't generally get too many more to win a con. It's too cold. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So so then moved on to game two Sorry, against yeah, Richard. Yeah. And uh, Richard is relatively new player. You know, he came last year, not, not greatly experienced with the game, mm-hmm. um, but he's a good, fun guy to play. And... Uh, <laughs> 
He he wrote a list which are not exactly meta. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he he brought in um, it was a thirteen hundred point game. So he brought an eighty eight, a panther, uh, an eight rad. Um, what else? Two half tracks, and lots of infantry squads. And uh, we went, wow, that's like a traditional cool German army, right? Yeah. But lots of hardware invested, like lots mm-hmm. of points invested in hardware, and especially a lot of points invested in hardware that would take out other tanks. Yes. <laughs> Guess what I didn't have? Tanks. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking that. I was going, big, uh, super heavy AT on the Panther, check. Super heavy yeah. AT on the 88, check. Eight rad against infantry, forget about it. And then yeah. you, you go through that. And, I mean, that's a crud load of points in assets uh-huh. that aren't going to hurt infantry. So, um, yeah, and, and unfortunately for Richard, we had sectors. Oh. So, and sectors is all about volume. It is. And, uh, and that's something that he didn't have. But also, unfortunately, again, for him, was that forward deployment works really well with sectors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so before even a dice has been rolled, I've got, you know, three squads of, I think I had four units up on his boundary. Yeah. You know, ready to pounce into his territory. Mm-hmm. And if you're a call sectors, you know, it's three points if you've got a, uh, a miniature, you know, a unit inside their sector. Yeah. And it's one point if you have them in the neutral zones. So before a dice has been rolled, you know, I've got like five points already just by being in neutral zones. Mm-hmm. And in the very first turn, I was able to push them into um, his sector. So he is, again, automatically on, on a bit of a defensive there. So the mm-hmm. battle is going to be fought in his sector. Um, and then, but he was quite good in that he, when he started bringing reserves on, he punched up a unit um, in a half track into you know, towards my sector. Mm-hmm. So I had to keep some units in reserve to, to fight that off. Mm-hmm. And, um, but in the, you know, the second turn of the game, my plane came in, Hey, nice. and it rolled like, it was a bit ridiculous in that, you know, it, it came in and I rolled the, you know, the, the, the number five and six, which was going to yeah. cause all sorts of problems. And there was all pins and it, the 88 was just destroyed. Um, it was like, but it should be doing really well against aircraft. Sorry, man. The rules are shit. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm. But uh, so the eighty-eight was destroyed, and then my aircraft flew off, never to be seen again. Um, hey, man, it, it, it did what it needed to in that one game. It. That's all it did. You know, because I was a bit worried about that eighty-eight because I think it just delete units. You know, if it oh, gets yeah. on. Um, yeah. So then we kind of like had this bit of a fight in his sector. His panther came up, and. Um, I brought my LVT on, had a couple of shots at the LVT, and he just kept totally stuffing his rolls. Oh. And uh, at one point, the eight, the uh, Panther and the um, eight Rad were just pinging shots off my LVT. I'm like, dude, the armor is like alfoil, <laughs> and uh, it just wouldn't get through it. So um, that was quite a moment. But but that game brought out a Victoria Cross for one of my scout team. Oh yeah, and. Um, so they had pushed up and were, were coming up against a, I think it was like an eight-man veteran German squad, right? Mm-hmm. And these little three-man team pushed around the corner, got some shots off, and uh, killed one of the, the veterans. So they then returned fire and killed two of my scouts. I'm like, oh, no. You know, there's only three in the team. Yeah, right. 
And, uh, and so the very next turn, I've looked at him, he's looked at me, we've looked at it, and we've both sort of gone at the same time, assault. <laughs> <laughs> nice. There's only one thing for it now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, I, and I rolled the dice, and he assaulted, right? And I rolled, because he's got an SMG, I rolled a mm-hmm. six, and then I rolled a second six. Oh, <laughs> he nice. then goes to roll back, and uh, it doesn't roll a single five with mm-hmm. his remaining troops. So they're wiped out. And we both sort of looked at each other and had a bit of a giggle and went, definitely a VC moment. Yes. And, uh, and it, that scout was so much of a threat that he ended up devoting all the firepower on the Panther next turn to take him out. <laughs> <laughs> so the poor scout was a post, 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 uh, yeah, awarded yeah, award yeah. that VC. Um, and I guess another moment for him was a learning experience where he had brought up his uh, half-track into my sector. Mm-hmm. And I'd left some units there. I took the units out, and I've said, "Dude, um, your half track's in a bit of trouble, mate." And he's like, "Oh, what do you mean?" And I've gone, um, "You got no other friendly units anywhere near it." Oh, so it's, no. it's going to be the end of the turn. He goes, "Oh no, no, the rules like you know, if it's within a certain distance of it." I said, "I'm really sorry, man. No, that's not, not how that works." <laughs> Said I'll give you a couple of free pivots if you can, you know, get it to a um a friendly location. He just couldn't, you know, like there wasn't. It was so far away. I think it was like twenty four inches or something from away from the closest. Um, yeah. He's friendly, so there was sort of only really one call for it, and I said, "Sorry, man. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we tried." Um, it's one of those things, so, man. That rule it gets you once, and then you never yeah. make that mistake again. Yeah, look, the game was already decided at that point, yeah. um, and so there was not much he could really do. So we, we kind of wrapped that up pretty quick, and it was a pretty convincing win for me. Mm. Um, the Panthers survived. I think it was the only unit left on the table in the 8-rad because I couldn't do anything about them. <laughs> Again, my flamethrower made it to the 8-rad, come around the corner, went, ha! Ah! Um, rolled like a 1 and then a 1. Oh. And just left the table. Yeah, out of gas. <laughs> You're out of there, buddy. He didn't even get a shot off in the first game, should just say. So, um, yep. So then I had a break, come home, and uh, went to the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, some reason I'd managed to get top five. So mm-hmm. by this point, I'm like, really? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. No worries. I did really well in that second game and first game. And um, so I played Brendan and his Japanese for third game. Ooh, now, historical. Was, yeah, mm. it was a really interesting game. So um, thir- uh, it was 1,300 points, so everything on the table, and um, double envelopment. Oh, I'm like, cool. Uh, yeah. So Brendan's list was a lot of forward deployers, but also every vehicle the Japanese ever owned. <laughs> so he had, he had mobile howitzers, he had tanks, mm-hmm. he had – um, scout cars, so a double platoon list, you know, with lots of stuff in it. Yeah. Um, you know, jeeps with flamethrowers in it and those sort of things, and uh, and lots of these forward deployers. And uh, what was a hilarious moment is is if you recall with double envelopment, you must put half your army in reserve. Yeah. Right, and then you take turns to put out, you know, you roll the dice or whatever, and and you put out your troops. Mm-hmm. Then you hold your forward uh, forward deployers. Um until all the normal units are deployed. Mm-hmm. And I've looked at Brennan and I've, I've put down my mortar team. And I've said, I've deployed. 
<laughs> he's gone. He's gone. What? Mm-hmm. I said that's that's it. Everything else is forward deploying. So we had a giggle about that because he had like four or five forward deploying units as well. Mm. We then took our turns and and we put down. And my whole aim was I was I was going to try and just punch through a couple of my um, you know the the forward deployers through to the line and get some early points. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I had some units on the far left flank. I had some units on the far right flank. Um, he And because of the Australian rule, he couldn't put anything within 18 inches of them. Of course. Right? Yeah. So it kind of gave me, when you're, when you're deploying on the forward line, you know, the middle line, yeah. there's only 24 inches, right, left to go. And he can't deploy within 18 of it. So it doesn't leave him much room. No, it pushes there's, you way back, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. So I thought, here's a go. If I can get two clear turns... I'll get three or four units off the table. I'll start scoring. Then I'll bring my other units on, and hopefully we can just hold the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, well, look, my plan just failed miserably. Oh, right? no. Miserably. Um, Brennan, he just ran some cracking good rolls, right? Oh. And he had so many more dice than me. So I was running 13 dice. He was running about 20. Uh, so he just kept pulling dice. And like, for example, you know, a random knee mortar takes out my forward observer first turn. Yeah. Um, my Papuan infantry battalion don't quite make it yeah. to the um, by turn two. They're like three inches short, mm. and he was able to bring units on from reserve to basically walk up point blank and just yeah. start taking them out. Um, so both squads up there. I think one squad ended up getting off the table, but one squad was wiped out. Yeah. On the far left flank, I made some ground, took out one of his squads, and then started to move up. Then disaster. Mm. So I had deployed all my remaining troops. Now let's just go through them. I had a commando squad. I had a 10-man jungle squad. I had an officer. I had a peer and a sniper and a flamethrower. No, not the sniper. I had the the Piat and the flamethrower, yeah. uh, all in the LVT. <laughs> oh man! Yeah. And there was a road that ran right up the guts of this board. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? I'll get a couple of dice. I'll be able to push up. And I bring the LVT on. It shoots at some squad. Doesn't do much. And I'm like, yeah, cool. He then just kept bringing dice out, right? And he just pulled dice. And so he pulled out his Jeep. And his Jeep comes on. Of course, it can travel like 24 inches, right? Yeah. And I'm going, um, that's pretty close. And that's and a flamethrower. Mm-hmm. And then he's just within six inches of the LVT. And I'm like, you know, all my troops are in there. I hope he just, you know, stuffs yeah. his roll. Well, of course he does. And he rolls a six. Yeah. Uh, and then he rolls a six for pins. So he destroys the um, the LVT, and then he rolls all these pins. He actually ends up killing my officer, my flamethrower, and my Piat team, plus the LVT, with one shot, right? Jesus. With one shot. He then puts like six pins on both the commando squad and the jungle division squad, <laughs> right? He then lands two knee mortars on the squads, zeroed in, putting like, I think one of the units was up to like eight pins, and I've looked at the table. This is turn three. Yeah. And I've looked at the table. I've looked at what's going on. Yeah. And I've said, I think we can probably call the game. Yeah, good game. And, and he felt, he goes, look, I'm sorry, man. But like it was one of those turns where literally it was like six or seven dice in a row. And with every single one of those dice, 
he was killing a unit or yep. he was zeroing in with a mortar mm-hmm. or he was doing something amazing. So half my army was destroyed before I even got a chance to activate a dice in that turn. And I sort of said to him, look, you know, this is just all feel badsies now. There's yeah. no there's no good outcome for either of us in this no. game. I said, I will concede and give you all the points. Mm-hmm. There's no, you know, and, I'll, and I'm happy to take the loss and let's not play this out because it's just about you torturing a puppy right now. Yeah. Because <laughs> I had yeah. nothing, man. Like there were, all my hard hitters had gone, everything I could do to possibly respond. Because we talked through it from there and I said, you've got two, two name orders that are already zeroed in on this unit. Yeah. And I could rally this death. unit. Yeah. Yeah, but you're just going to keep racking pins back up. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to get a chance to activate. This one has six pins, but you have a howitzer within point-blank range that's mm-hmm. just going to start targeting them. You have your tank who hasn't even shot yet. It can just come up. There's absolutely nothing I can possibly do to even pull a draw, you know? Um, and so we had a good chat about it and went, yep, let's just concede. And, and I, I said he can have all the points, like, you know, for the special objective and yeah. the killing, all that, all that stuff. Uh, and so for him, that was a good win. Uh, yeah. For me, that was a disaster. Mm. But it was one of those games, you know, should I have brought that LVT on with all the troops? Well, no, I shouldn't have. But what if I had pulled the next couple of dice? Yeah, right. And my flamethrower had got up there and been able to take out his tank. And then mm. my... Tiat had done something in my squad. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's bolt action, right? Yeah. And as we all know, bolt action happens. As we said yeah. when in your game against Chris, you know, the dice didn't necessarily go his way. Uh, in this case, it went the other way. I mean, swings oh, and roundabouts, total. man. Swings and roundabouts. So anyway, walked away from that game going, oh, bleh, and that was horrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you always have one of those games, yeah. I think. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, all, all credit to, to Brennan. He did really well. Um, and deserve the win. So last game was a cracker. So I, I played Paul, and Paul and I had played against each other before, um, and he's been playing Australians now for a couple of years, oh, and nice. both late war, late war jungle, and um, we kind of just manipulated the draw a little bit so that we get a chance to play mm-hmm. each other on the last game. And um, the mission was basically no man's land, so it was like attrition, just kill each other mm-hmm. for last game. 800 points, let's just go at it. And uh, we had a bit of a chat and went, let's do exactly that. Let's just go from turn one and let's go at each other. And we'll make a, uh, a pledge at the start of the game. No uh, using the down order. Oh, man. <laughs> so, so, you know, this benefits neither of us, right? Yeah, right. Uh, if we're both going to say we are not going not gonna, to, uh, no matter what, Whatever happens, we will not use the down order. And uh, it was it was like the funnest game because uh, I set my forward deployers up. He set his forward deployers up, you know, and um, I just ran at him. Like mm-hmm. literally got my squads and just started running. And he's like, oh, cool. And he started doing the same. And we met sort of uh, just over the halfway line. And... Um, yeah, I was just – if there was an opportunity to assault, that was my first call. Mm-hmm. There was no shooting like, you know, I would just assault. And, uh, yeah, there was some absolutely cracking good fights. And um, But after probably about turn four, we sort of, you know, punched for punch. And then I just started rolling up a couple of his squads. Like one of my PIB units, like I think did three assaults in the game and won three assaults. Mm-hmm. And uh, so just wrapped up his his couple of squads and and then um, 
from there. So the difference was he was playing regular Australians and I was playing veterans. Oh, that'll make a difference. In assaults, it's always going to be go in your favor, right? And he had a couple of support units. Like he had a um, a six-pounder anti-tank gun. He had a howitzer um, and he had a, a universal carrier and all this stuff. But I was just able to sort of roll them up and had some cracking good dice. And um, But I will say there was one one where I decided to shoot, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah? Because it was kind of one of those things. It was against a mortar team, right? And I'm like, I'm three inches away from it. I'm like, dude, I'm just going to shoot because I've got mm-hmm. like seven. I think I had seven guys shooting. And uh, I said, I'll just shoot and wipe them off. He goes, yeah, yeah, no worries. And I rolled like six ones. <laughs> I only needed two to hit, and I rolled six ones. Mm-hmm. And we just go, like, I don't even know if that – how does that happen? Yeah. What are the odds of that happening? Mm-hmm. Um, and so next turn I assaulted him. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Just to be sure. So anyway, yeah, I pulled a, I pulled a really big win out of that. Nice. Um, but we had a, a good game. And, and again, I think it's just about – being super aggressive with them mm. and uh, getting up and using that veteran status to my best advantage. Um, yeah, so I ended up at the event coming fifth. Awesome, man. Yeah. Top quarter. Yeah. yeah, out of 20, yeah, five, five out of 20 with mm. a, you know, what you would say, even though there's an LVT in there, an air observer, it was a predominantly infantry list. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. I, I guess my question is then, going into this, knowing that you switched your army to... Uh, you know, maybe answer some some nay that has been said online. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do you think um, your? I mean, given that you went into this with <laughs> negative experience, um, mm. how, do you think the Aussies hold up? Do you think that you know, in a in a land of um, certain things being meta choices, and you had some of them, yeah. but not many. Uh, what do you think? How did yeah, you think I, they? I went? think I think the Australians have. Um, I think they're an army, which is a very elite choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're at the high end of, of what I would consider to be hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think they're one of these armies that you're either going to win really well or you're going to fold really early. Yeah, You know, it, you have to, I think, play them in a certain way, but there's going to be some really hard counters for them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just, like that Japanese list, yeah. sometimes you're just going to come across them. Mm-hmm. Um, are they what I'd consider to be like a number one? If you were going to go, I am a super hard player and I want to win a GT or a, a big event, I think it would be hard pressed to take them, you know, because I think they've got that elitism about them, which mm-hmm. is not going to have a lot of good counters for some units. And I said there was there's some really good hard counters for them out there, but you're going to win most of your games, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you learn how solid, to play them. Yeah, exactly. If you're playing them right, the rules yeah. really do lean into certain styles of play style that, you know, being able to, you know, reverse away from people if you need to, being able yeah. to forward deploy, especially with the units you were taking. Um, mm. I mean, it's super thematic. Um, the army does, if you play it the way it's supposed to be played, uh, it can make for a really interesting game of bolt action because it its national rules and the unit rules really sort of pull it together to give you a yeah. game experience that isn't quite standard. I think so. Look, and, and the other thing about my list was when I built it, I was really counting on being able to outflank. So the mm-hmm. LVT would come on on outflank with so many troops, right? Mm-hmm. And be able to sort of dominate the backfield from turn three. Unfortunately, in my opinion, there's too many missions which, rest- which cancel flanks. 
Mm. So the two big 1300 points I did, you know, one being sectors and uh, and the other one being double envelopment, mm-hmm. you're not allowed to flank. No. Yeah. You know, so that takes away a certain aspects of the army. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my opinion is I, I think you should be allowed to flank, um, but I get it. You know, I, we know why double envelopment envelopment style missions they took away the flank because people would wait to turn four or five and just drive mm-hmm. on and drive off right um never seen that be. in the game patch yeah. what are you talking about <laughs> uh and of course sectors you just wait and then pop into their area um but you know like it's it just takes away a bit of the ability of the army yeah 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 because yeah. a lot of it like a lot of their special rules um rely on flanking yeah i get <clears throat> you're right Mm. You got to remember, like if you want to look at at the um, the army itself, it's an infantry infantry based army with not a lot of access to vehicles. Yeah, or you big know, heavy so, weapons. I mean, or, or, there's nothing me if I'm wrong. Than a light howitzer. Yeah, it's a light howitzer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, and it's not even the um, it's not like the the UK one. It's not like the the eighteen twenty five or anything like that. Mm. Um, it doesn't have an AT capability, right? And nor does it have a gun shield. Yeah, that's right. You know, so so if you want HE, Australian Army is not for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and again, if you want AT, you know, there's been some concessions made in the list where you can bring in a six-pounder. You know, you can even bring in a Matilda tank and mm-hmm. you can bring in some Stuarts. Um, you've just, I guess if you want to play that thematic infantry-based army, you, you may not have them available. And let's face it, the Matilda is not the best tank. <laughs> no. I mean, look, the frog's not bad, but it you need to get yeah. it close with that flamethrower. You do, you do. And that's the thing, is that's a slow tank that's mm-hmm. going to take a while to get there, and exactly. it's quite vulnerable. Um, the Stuarts, I think we all have our feelings on Stuarts. It's not yes. the 5 MMG one, um, no. but it's still, like, you know, you could, you could easily, like, if I wanted to get a super competitive list, then I probably would include a couple of those. Yeah. I mean, and it'd still be relatively thematic because there were battles in, um, I think it was Boonagona, where they were used. Mm-hmm. Um, they were horrible, and and they were quickly removed from service because they were quite vulnerable. Mm-hmm. But they were there, right? You know, so that's cool. They're in the list. You can use them. Yeah, I mean, I I really like the idea of, I mean, even even the M five hundred one where you have just one machine gun and one light AT gun. I mean that those. Those are solid, cheap, dependable little tanks. Um, yeah, they are. I mean, just cheap little tanks. That, like with, when you were talking about the Japanese player, as a Japanese player myself, I don't look for the, in- the infantry horde of... That isn't what draws me to the Japanese. What draws me mm. to the Japanese are the weird-ass, and I believe Brian Cook described them once as um, almost steampunk-looking vehicles that you Tyler. throw down on the table and you go, what the hell is that? Because they're glorified just a step up from World War One technology. Mm. Um, I mean, they're literally like Christy Fast Tanks and car... Yeah, I mean, they're, they're just photocopies of other people's tanks with yeah. paper-thin armor on it. But in bolt-action terms, what that means is cheap tanks, lots of yep. MMGs, you know, light AT guns or light howitzers, which can put, you know, pins on vehicles. Um, you know, you're not going to, you know, one shot a tiger with that. But, you know, you can, if you, how many can you get for the price of a tiger? Three. There's not, there's also not many tigers on the table. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it, it's all about how you build your list and what you want to do with it. So, yeah, for you, sure. Yeah. I mean, how many points is that LVT? 
178. Man, you could almost get two Stewarts for that. But yeah, again, look, it, it's, that it's wouldn't thematic. be as yeah. thematic. And no, you it, went for a theme you wanted to take. And and as you said, you that painted model that you painted is in the book. And yeah. that that's something special to be able to take it out and put it on the table and play with it. That's awesome. And the rest of the guys thought the army was quite thematic as well because I got voted the, the Hanno Mag Award. Nice. Hanno Swag. Yeah, the Hanno Swag Award. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really happy with that when people sort of recognize the effort you put into mm-hmm. to trying to make a nice thematic army, which is not necessarily meta. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, look, I had a really good time. I'm really happy to play after a bit of a, you know, it's been a year since I played mm-hmm. in an event. Uh, and so, you know, touched off that that interest. The community is still going very strong here. Mm-hmm. A lot of new players, a lot of new players. That's cool. Uh, and a lot of positivity walking away from that event with people going, you know. And I will say one guy, I was quite chuffed, one, one new player, um, he got the Best Painted Award. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he, he had this really good, nice-looking uh, British winter Painted Force. Oh, nice. It's, um, yeah, with a Churchill crocodile in it. <laughs> I think cool. it's a crocodile, right? You know, the, the Churchill tank with that flamethrower and the mm-hmm. trailer it carries around. Mm-hmm. And he came up to me at the end of the event. He's going, oh, Patch, I, I can't believe I got best painted. You know, I, I can't believe it. I was going to ask you for some painting advice. And I'm like, dude, it's totally well-deserved. I'm, I'm really happy for you to get that. Yeah. Um, and he was so chuffed to have beaten me you know yeah and i'm like no like you did really well man and we had a good chat afterwards anyway it was a really nice little That's moment awesome. and uh, i'm super happy that he picked it up and and that he was happy that he beat me yeah i was i was really happy with that oh man that's awesome yeah i've how i mean you've you have won a lot of painting trophies and so uh, yeah, um, I have. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it's yeah and i can hear you going uh, but it, i mean those are all well deserved and it's it's great to have you know young blood take it every now and again just to go oh yeah you know yeah yeah well like i I didn't feel for a second like that should have been mine yeah you know i Mm -hmm. felt that was that was so good that people are at that level where they're beating me yeah right Mm -hmm. not because i'm such a good painter and yeah yeah i'm kind of like i guess if you want to look at it i'm the reigning champ for the last couple of events in this Uh, and I and I was just like I said, really happy that that someone was able to pit me now. And mm-hmm. you know what? It might just push me a little bit further for next time to reclaim say, the crown. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's that, I mean, literally, that is it. It's it 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 keeps things from being stale. Not that you are one to sort of fall back on one style of painting. <clears throat> I'm not looking at myself there. Um, <laughs> but you are constantly innovating. But it, I think it also says a lot about. Um, where the game is in Canberra, um, and I guess in the Eastern Australian states, because a lot of those players are interstate, but the fact that people are upping their game, the fact that we are seeing beautiful armies being brought to the table, I mean, that's huge. Yeah, it's really good, and you and interesting stuff, and mm-hmm. yeah, so I look forward to the next one, but um, do you want to chat now about our, uh, my, new, my little other project that oh, I do? you know I do. Speaking of <laughs> painting, um, and uh, I love that we talked about this before we started recording tonight, and I was like, oh man, your new, pro- your new project's awesome, the new army's fantastic, blah, 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 and you're like, yeah, you know, I've only been working on it for a couple of weeks, and I was like, you son of a... <laughs> <laughs> so, Patch, break my heart, talk about this and then i'll remind people that you've been painting it basically since we started recording this podcast today 
Well, I mean, look, the caveat is let's yeah. let's go back okay. now. I, um, as you'd be aware, you know, I'm quite an active member on Paint All the Minis. Yes, you are. Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Dan Adams over there runs it. And, and a shout out to that page should anyone want to go look at it. But oh, anyway, it's great I'll just stuff on it. that page. If you are, by, by the way, if you're not on the Paint All the Minis page and you're listening to this, go to Facebook. Please go. Go there, yep. check it out, like it, uh, follow it. Such and a positive, such a positive page. It's and, a great community. Um, so we're mucking around you know, uh, with a few of the boys at, at the start of the start of July. Mm-hmm. Right. And we're like, you know what? Let's paint some old hammer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and what old hammer is referring to for those, you know, is like the old games workshop, um, fantasy miniatures. My era. Oh. Yeah. Cause, yeah. cause I had, a bunch of these old miniatures hanging around and some of them are for like the eighties, you know, and we're all mucking around, particularly Andy Singleton and, um, you know, one of our favorite UK painters, Brad. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and of course, Brian, and I sort of set a challenge. I said, look, you know what? Let's just paint some old hammers for fun. There's nothing to it. Mm -hmm. Everyone who wants to do it can do it. If you don't want to do it, that's cool as well. There's no prizes here. Just paint some old hammer stuff. And, uh, so I had, some various forest elves from like mm-hmm. the 80s and 90s, you know, super old stuff. And I painted up a regiment of them in in like three or four days. And I'm like, oh, that looks pretty good as a unit. I could do another Kings of War army out of this. And I looked at my various bits and pieces that I've got lying around. Mm-hmm. Got a lot of elves. But you know what else I have? I've got a lot of dark elves painted mm-hmm. already. And I painted them in a, and I know you've seen them. I painted it in a gold and a purple, yes, right? So did. they don't look like dark elves. They look like really nice, happy dark elves. Yeah, they do. And uh, with blonde hair and all this stuff. And and I've gone, you know, in your brain ticks. And I'm looking at them. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at my forest elves, which I've just painted up green and stuff. And I've gone, they look like they look. Yeah, that's it. I'm going to do it. And so I committed to building. Um, a forest elf army for Kings of War nice. using a lot of those miniatures that I had already painted as dark elves, mm-hmm. but also painting up a whole bunch of new miniatures. So over the last month I've been mucking around with it and I've painted up a 2000 point Kings of War and base. And so, uh, so now it's complete. So Kings of War is, an, yesterday. is, yeah. is notoriously model heavy depending it on is. your army. And yeah. I like, and I'm sitting here rolling my eyes, and you're going, "Yeah, man, I painted up a two thousand point army." I'm going, "Patch, Jesus!" Yeah. Look, look, easily half of it was already painted. You got to remember, and I might have, and I repainted some parts. So, the, like you know, um, the Blackguard. So mm-hmm. you know the Dark Elf Blackguard. Mm-hmm. You know, so I had like fourteen of those already painted, and what I did was I went in and anywhere that was purple, I just repainted green. So cloaks and that mm-hmm. sort of stuff, right? Uh, and so that really only took me a night to repaint the green. Then that unit was ready to be based. So, you know, that's the context, Brad, is that there was a lot already painted. Over half the army was already painted. Pat, and you're talking just- to a guy that spends over a week to like to paint bases that don't have models on them. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So I, so I was able to power through them and, um, yeah, 2,000-point army ready to go. Awesome. Okay, so 
Talk to us a little bit about what's in that army, because I know you've definitely been putting some thought into it, and I know yeah. we're shifting heavily gears here, gang, um, from game systems. So um, I know that you've got some witch elves that you're going to mm. do kind of a war dancer thing, and I know you've got your black guard. Talk to us a little bit about what's in this army, and what I mean, I yeah. guess what goes into a King's War army, because army building-wise, sure. you need to have... Um, a certain number of basic troop choices to unlock monsters, yeah. elite choices, and leaders, right? So talk That's us through right. this process. Yep, yep. So when you're everything within Kings of War is based on a unit size. So you've got mm. troop, regiment, and horde. Um, on top of that is a legion. Uh, however, a legion doesn't get you any more unlocks than what a horde would, from my understanding, and mm. only limited to a certain number of armies. But effectively, if you can look at it this, if we look at a basic infantry soldier, um, a troop will be 10 guys, right? Right. Um, so two ranks of five. Mm -hmm. That's your basic thing. So if you think about that, if they're based on 20 mil, you're looking at 100 by 40. That's yeah. going to be your basic troop one. Then you go into what is a regiment. Now, all a regiment is is basically tucking two troops together, one behind the other. So instead, yeah, your frontage is still going to be the same at 100 mil, mm -hmm. but your, your, your depth now turns to 80 mil. So you're adding right. ranks, yeah. You're adding ranks. Once you then go to the horde, it you extend the front rank. You, you're only four ranks deep, but you've got a, a greater frontage. That's now, right. as far as troop goes, you know, it sort of goes, so 10, 20, 40. So what a horde is, is two regiments side by side. So it's now a 200 mil wide frontage, right. but it's still a 80 mil um, going backwards, going deep. So you're going from 10 to 20 to 40. So basically it doubles right. each time. Yeah, but there's a caveat, which is in the rule book, which is called minimum model count. Mm -hmm. Now, there's two ways that, that it's looked at with minimum model count. Love it, by the way. Yep, go ahead. The first way, basically minimum model count is half plus one, mm -hmm. right? So if I wanted to get a troop, I only need six on there for it to be tournament legal. That's right. Okay. So there's two ways. You either got one group of uh, you know hobbyists who go all out and they want to create really good miniature pieces of art within mm -hmm. there. So lots of multi-basing, really good things. So minimum model count looks great in that scenario because it's a really dynamic mix, mm -hmm. right? So each base is its own sort of uh, diorama. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then you've got the other way, which is that basically people just go, well, I only got to paint up six and it looks really bare and they just use movement trays, but mm -hmm. it's linked. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's a kind of a way out for those not really wanting to get too much into the hobby, but to still field an army. Mm -hmm. But it's also a way out for those who want to go over the top. So when you look at it and you look at my miniatures, for example, I've stuck to a minimum model count. Um, but each one of my miniatures has been painted like, you know, mm -hmm. as, as good as I can. Yeah. And it's part of a, a really dynamic diorama. So within the community, no one will look at my minimal model count with any sort of, um, you know, yeah. 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 So they'll be, they'll be really happy with that. Um, the effort that I've put in. So, yeah. So then you got unlocked. So yeah, you must, a regiment, like a troop unlocks nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, but a regiment starts to unlock, you know, a monster or a, um, war machine, mm -hmm. a hero, you know, this sort of stuff and, uh, and a troop, like basically it, it, it you, you're not going to field a whole army of troops. No. You so see, you want to have a mix of, you know, most of your army should be regiments with maybe a couple of hordes or a horde and then some heroes, some monsters and some war machines if you want. Yeah. 
but it's quite restricted that way. So yeah, so I was able to get together a 2000 point army with using some high point costed figures as well, like a dragon. Nice. Yeah. So which now I'm thinking of the army and which, cause you mm. own a lot of dragons, which dragon did you end up using? From the zombie side, green horde. Dragon. Oh yes, that's a great yeah. dragon. Yeah, a really fantastic dragon. But I turned it. So, so I should wheel back. And the first thing I should have spoken about was theme, mm-hmm. right? So for me, with any Kings of War army or any army, I yeah. I, I want to start off with well, well, kind of what's this? I don't want to just paint an army for the meta, right? right. I'm not going to choose it because it's good or anything like that. I want a whole theme behind it. What's the motivation of this army? So this particular army, I've called themselves the Defenders of Forest Deep, mm-hmm. right? And what I've done is I've sort of gone, right, this is kind of this elf-based army that have taken in some various races, for example, the Dark Elves and those, you know, the Twilight Kin is what they're called in Kings of War. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, these guys are more like, you know, they're elves. But, you know, there's some humans there and various elves. And these guys ultimately respect the forest. Mm-hmm. This is their thing. They've developed this protection of the the forest deep, and pretty much like they're a goodly aligned army. But they will kill anyone who comes across their territory right. and dares to, um, you know, uh, desecrate the the holy forest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these guys are tucked away deep in the forest of Mantica, um, and will only come out if their forest is threatened. So they look quite. They're not your goodly elves, hence the dark elf taint to them. You know, they're not mm-hmm. the goodly elves who are like Legolas, although there is quite a few of those. Yeah. These are witch elves, which are going to come out and they're going to cut your head off and display yeah. it on the nearest tree mm-hmm. and say, you know, whether you're a human, a dwarf, a goblin or an orc or a bizzle, you know, you're going to die. Yeah. Don't come in our forest. So that's kind of, you know, almost like the old true neutral druidish types, you know, yeah. um, from, DN- from D&D. So that's Hell the yeah. theme behind the army. So I've built that. So some quite fierce looking elves in there mm-hmm. who look very similar to Blackguard. Just don't check their yeah. tags. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's green, man. Don't worry about They're it. Green cloak. They're elves. Oh. They're happy. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I know I've made fun of the fact that you are a very fast painter. However, um, I do know for a fact that when you painted the dark elf portion of this army, you mm. spent an astonishing, for you, an astonishingly long period of time working on those, making sure that those models were your A game at the time. Mm. Um, and as I said, I know you're constantly innovating, but I mean, just to see those models pulled out and recolored. Um, it it just and 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 rebased to look foresty, mm. it 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 man, s- astonishing stuff. And I you and everyone a, knows a that lease. I'm a big fan of yours. But damn, yeah, I think they've got a new lease on life because they weren't being used as Twilight Kin. Yeah, you know, like I wasn't gonna really like I I I'd painted them. I played in a couple of events and done okay. But they were they're one of the armies that I. I guess I had no affinity to, yeah. and I wasn't drawn to replaying them. Mm-hmm. So by giving them a new life as forest elves, do you know, like yeah. all of a sudden they're like, hey, I really want to play with them. They're, they, yeah. they're good to go again, they're, and they fit in with a the theme, and, and mm-hmm. they're going to be quite good. And, and I, um, I'm really looking forward to getting some games down. I mean, And if, I've, again, I've, yeah. I've not built the list 
Um, you know, and, and Kings of War is, is, in my opinion, quite meta-based. There are some good units, and mm-hmm. the top players at an event um, will be playing the good armies, right? Mm-hmm. And this list ain't that. <laughs> <laughs> so at best, I'll be mid-tier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, but that's it, man. It's going to look sensational on the tabletop, and, you know, it's, you're going to have fun playing with it. It's going to be cool. So I'll give you an example, like, you know, what I did with the bases is I really wanted all the bases to um, to reflect that nature theme, and mm. multi-basing is so good for this. Yeah. Um, and I also wanted to show some people, I guess, that, you know, multi-basing, particularly our, our good friend Casey, mm-hmm. multi-basing is actually really the best chance for you to use your imagination, and it's really um, cheap. I like, you know, to get good mm-hmm. bases. You don't need to buy anything. And and um, I did it by just walking outside and picking up sticks and rocks and, mm-hmm. you know, stuff that's really readily available pretty much everywhere around the world, right? Um, yeah, exactly, right? And I built this stuff from that. That's cool. And, and, and an example of one of the multi-bases is um, I picked up, I can't remember the exact name for them, but you know the, the flying pterodactyls out of the... Um, the Games Workshop. Yeah, uh, the Lizardmen line. Um, yeah. No. Whatever they're called, you know, pterodons or something. Yeah, that's exactly pterodons. Thank and, you. Um, so I've turned them into what's like, you know, called Dracon Riders. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the best things about Kings of War is when they put out the army list, they don't really give you any form of description about what right? that list, what mm-hmm. that unit should look like. There's nothing. Um, you know, it's just like Draken Riders. These are the stats. And then there might be this very simplistic thing like Draken Riders fly and are good and stuff. You're yeah, like, exactly. You're like, oh, but what does that look like? What does that mean? Yeah. You know, so you do a bit of an internet search. What do people use for Draken Riders? You know, and you get a whole bunch of different replies mm-hmm. and stuff. I, I don't know. I'll just find something. So I bought, I bought um, one of those mm-hmm. or three of them. They come in a, a package of three. And so what I did with the base is I found a stick that, if you can imagine, you know, this uh, it's about a 120 by 80 mil base. And um, so I've kind of just pinned this stick on it, right? Yep. Which goes vertical and then has a branch that pretty much goes across the whole base at about probably five inches mm-hmm. a, a high, probably four to five inches high. And, um, and so what I've been able to do is just perch them up on this branch like they've just landed or they're yeah. about to take off. It looks seriously and, uh, sweet, yeah. So, it, so it's a really dynamic-looking mm-hmm. uh, base that'll be moving around, which actually they're up in the air. It looks really sort of flying and, mm-hmm. and will attract a bit of attention. They'll probably die first turn. Inevitably, that's what happens with units that I spend a bit of time with. Yep. Um, yeah, I think it's directly proportional. The longer you spend on a unit mm-hmm. and the more creative you are, um, the, the more likely it is to die, especially yeah. the first time you play with them. It's the it's the I painted the new toy, I put all the effort in, it dies, and then yep. and then as soon as you don't care about it, then it does something. Or if it's unpainted, it'll survive a whole battle. <laughs> That's for sure. Not that I'll ever play unpainted, yeah. mind you. Exactly. Um, you know, because I paint all the minis. Yeah, yeah you literally <laughs> um, paint yeah. all the minis. Yeah. So, so that's where I'm at with that Kings of War, and and I'm I'm nice. really happy that I was able to sort of you know round that army out, tidy it up. Mm-hmm. Will I go back to it and and add some units potentially? You know, like I may do. Mm-hmm. I have no intention of buying anything new. Yeah, 
you know, but I might be able to drag some out from my bits box and create another unit if I feel like, you know, because we've got version three coming up of Kings of War out in October. Mm-hmm. You know, some units may get a buff and I might yeah. be like, oh, I could probably do with a, a new unit there. And I mean, the way I've designed the list is it's a super elite list, which will probably get chewed up a lot. <laughs> you know, yeah. when I'm, like it's, and it's okay, but if I'm getting my butt kicked way too badly, mm-hmm. then I'd, in order to keep enjoying playing it, then I'll probably have to adjust a little bit. But it's good to go for the moment. You know, it's it is, there, man. it's good, and uh, I can sort of put it aside now and and put an underline in that project and look to something new. Yeah, there's that moment too um, of when you finish an army and you can look at it in its entirety. And um, I know there's a silly meme that, you know, reflects this, but it's almost that like you're standing there at the end of um, – Oh, no, in, sorry, in sort of halfway through the two towers when Saruman looks out his window and there's rank upon rank upon rank of uh, yeah. Urukai in front of him. And you go, yeah, I did this. This is my army. Let's go do something with it. And, you know, it's just a, it, it's that sense of accomplishment. It's such a, like, you know me, I'm a completionist. Mm-hmm. I, I love completing an army. And then it, it's kind of sad, but once it's completed... Uh, uh, you know, I yeah. lose a little bit of like you know. Yeah, my feeling of completion is there, mm-hmm. and then as you know, I'm I'm quite happy to shift armies off, and yeah, you know, I don't tend to hang on to them forever. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's my thing. Love seeing that army completed. Yeah, ah, oh, it's so cool, man. So cool. Mm, I hope people have enjoyed our chat about that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, man, I hope I hope they do too. Um. Well, Patch, uh, it's been, as always, a, a total pleasure to have you on, man. Now, I do need to quickly say something before I let you go, though. Um, Operation Bear. Um, we did do a whole episode about this a while back, and mm-hmm. I did um, I did have to let that event go. Um, that is the event that's coming to Melbourne uh, on August 4th. Um, I will not be tournament organizing that event. I've passed it off to a friend of the show who's been on many times. Uh, one of the most analytical gamers I've ever met and played against, who is also mm. a hell of a lot of fun. Our, our good friend Lee Avery is now taking that project on. Um, I believe there's only a couple of spots left. Um, he's capped to the event at 24, I believe. Um, and, um, there's some amazing prize support, uh, from War and Peace Games, who are, of course, the Australian distributor for Warlord Games. Man, they have been, they have come out swinging with some awesome prize support for this event. Guys, if you haven't been to War and Peace recently, they have tons of new stuff for Saga. They now carry Games Workshop stuff. They have diversified in a big old way, and they are carrying some awesome toys, um, I just got, I know a lot of people have been asking me where I've been getting my Battletech stuff from because I've been messing around with that game. Um, I got my beginner box from them. Um, they have the elusive map sets. Um, look them up, man. War and Peace Games. Go check them out. Um, John and Ian just know their stuff. They're super helpful. And, man, they have more than ever, and they are definitely happy to send it to you very quickly. So, um they have helped out in a big way, um, just donating a ton of prizes. Warlord is sending some stuff that hasn't arrived yet. Um, 
We also have uh, Titan um, Titan miniatures from sorry Titan Forge from New Zealand who are uh, contributing some um, terrain, and of course Laser Shark Designs have as always provided us with some awesome trophies uh, because they are amazing. Um, but yeah, guys, I think there's still a few spots. It's a cheap event. It's 667 points to play. Um, so if you are looking to build up an army or you only have half an army for bolt action, um, by normal standards, this is the event to come and play in. Um, you can contact the cast dice Facebook page and I will, I will forward you the, uh, registration information. If you are interested, it is August 4th at good games in Melbourne's central business district. And of course, when talking about the sponsors for that event, I cannot go past good games, Melbourne on Lonsdale street. It is Melbourne's premier gaming venue. I love it. It is fantastic. They, those guys do everything they can to make it a fantastic gaming environment. Bright lights, you know, clean store, wonderful food, great selection of stock, friendly customer service. I, I cannot, I cannot go past them. They are amazing. Anyway, Operation Bear, August 4th. Contact the page. And if you have feedback about this episode or you'd like me to pass on any happy, loving notes to Patch, given that I do talk to this man literally every day, um, hmm. you can find me on uh, Facebook by typing Cast Dice, C-A-S-T-D-I-C-E. And if you type that in, you will find the hobby page. My name is Brad, and I'm the only one who answers it. Patch, I think it's time to quote our good friend Casey. Mm. Uh Patch, I, I do you want to do you want to do it? Look, I always always stuff it off. It's something about dice being hot and drinks cold or something. Is <laughs> that right? That's it. And yeah. if you are playing the games that we know and love, I <laughs> hope that you are having fun. This is uh, the, half of the old Ghost Army crew saying it is. It is saying good night, and uh, we hope that you know all is well in your world. And uh, if you are in the Northern Hemisphere, you're staying cool, and if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, you're staying warm. Good night.
his friends are gone and they track my home 